0: Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, we'll open with a word of prayer. Um, before we pray, I want to I want to present something to you. You may have heard this before, but the one thing that separates the child of God and the world, the one thing that separates the Christian faith and every other religion out there, it, the one difference, as well as Jesus, but. The reality is, is that all the religions out there in the world are a an attempt of man to find God. This is what you do to get to God. Okay? In the Christian faith, in the Christian religion, as in the plan of salvation as presented in the Word of God, is completely different than every other religion out there because this teaches us that we can't get to Him. He gives to us. God so loved the world that He gave. So your salvation, the only thing that you contributed to your salvation is the sin that caused you to need it. Alright? The only thing that you contributed to your salvation is the sin that caused you to need it. And that's very important to remember because what's gonna happen is you're gonna get back out in the world and when you go out into the world and you try to fight the world and play by its rules, you will lose every time. If you go about there and back out into the world again and try to maintain your salvation through your efforts and through your will, you will fall on your face. Your salvation is a gift that comes from God. Okay? And when God gives you that gift, He changes you. He gives you a new heart. He gives you new desires. He gives you a new mind. He fills you with His Spirit, writes His laws upon your heart, and gives you the ability to walk in a way that you could have never walked on your own. Now, we all still sin after we're saved. There's no doubt about that. But the, but the difference in the child of God and the child of the world is, is that the child of God struggles <clears throat> with his sin the child of the world embraces it you see the difference in that we still sin after we're saved no doubt about that you're not going to be perfect until God gives you a glorified body until you get a new body uh, that's not uh, under the curse of this world uh, to go along with the new uh, spirit that you are on the inside the new person you are on the inside then you'll, you'll live a sinless life but for now in this world we will still struggle with sin But the main thing that indicates that you are a child of God is that you struggle with that sin. You don't embrace it. And I I just I tell you up front, uh, I see I see a lot of people come through this program, and and like I said, I follow, I keep up with everybody on social media. I love you guys, and I want I want to know that y'all are doing good. Um, But I see people that have been through this program that are back out there in the world, and they're they're you can tell by their their post on social media that they're trying to play by the world's rules again. They've gotten back out into the world uh, and they're trying to do it their way. And, and, it, and it shows in their thoughts and their words and their actions. It shows. And so <clears throat> I, I thought what we would do tonight is go to the book of Galatians. And uh, and we're going to, if I had to title this lesson, I guess I would call it Allegorically Speaking. Allegorically Speaking. So let's open with a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Father, I do thank you for this day. I thank you for a chance to come and share your truth and your love uh, with the men and women in this room. And uh, I will be the first to admit in front of you and them that I still struggle in my life with uh, with sin. And that it's a battle that I fight every day. And I know that each and every person here has their struggles and their battles that they're going through right now. And Lord, uh, uh, it, it, it takes your might and your spirit for us to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we ask you tonight to continue to grow us, uh, to continue to conform us to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. To change our minds and our hearts and give us the desire to embrace your truth. Your Word is truth. Help us to see that truth tonight. Help us to receive that truth tonight. And help us to believe that truth tonight. And Lord, please give us the strength and desire to walk out of here sharing that truth with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, just for some background information, the book of Galatians was written by, who, who remembers who wrote the book of Galatians? Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Galatians. And what nationality was Paul? he he was Jew and Greek he had dual, dual citizenship that's exactly right but he tells us that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews what does that mean? He was a Pharisee as well. He was a Pharisee, and, and regarding the law, he was blameless, right? Now, he, he, we find out later that he had a problem with lust and coveting, right? He said, and when it got to, he said, I thought I was good when it came to the law until I got to the coveting, and then the law slayed me, like it, it got me. But But so, what Paul was saying when he called himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews, is he was saying that he crossed every I and dotted every T. Is that right? No, crossed every T and dotted every I, right? and he he followed the law to to the extent he he did everything that the law required him to do and and he was zealous of the law, zealous enough to go and kill people that uh, and put people in prison that he thought were uh, dismissing the law of Moses. you see and so Paul uh, was called by God to uh, be a missionary and to go out and to preach the gospel. And with the same zeal that he persecuted the church, once God transformed him and gave him a new heart and a new mind, God turned him around and used him as the, probably one of the most mighty instruments that the church has ever had. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and uh, he's the greatest example of what a missionary and an apostle is, right? Uh, and and so he, when you read his books... Uh, They're inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they help us to understand things. Now, one of the funny things about Paul is, Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, which means he 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 went to a school, the school of Gamaliel, which Gamaliel was one of the teachers, the Jewish teachers, and he was probably like the elite. It would be like saying he was an Oxford or a Harvard or a Yale graduate. Like he was, and not only was he was uh, magna cum laude, and he was uh, like a triple PhD. Like he was the top of the. The charts when it comes to learning, and what's what I find so uh, ironic about that is that God did not send Paul to the temple to preach to the Pharisees. Have you ever noticed that? He sent him to the barbarians and to the Greeks and the Scythians and the slaves. He sent him to the uh, folks like us. You see, the uneducated, the barbarians, right? And the reason they called them barbarians was because when the Greek people, Greek language is a very beautiful language, and when the Greek people would hear the barbarians speaking, it sounded like they were going, bar, 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 They had a a, a a tongue that was not uh, educated, you know? And so, so he sends them there, and if you notice this, where did he send Peter? Peter was the apostle to who? The Jews. And, so, and Peter was a fisherman. Peter was a yeah. Peter was just a, a down to earth calluses on his hands, smelt like fish, <laughs> fisherman. You know what I'm saying? Like he was just an earth earthly guy. Well, the reality is, is God took Paul and sent him to the people like Peter, and he sent Peter to the people like Paul. Why is that? So God could get the glory. That's exact. see Paul would have been right in his element with the Pharisees. Right? I mean he'd have been right in right where he felt comfortable. And Peter would have been very comfortable hanging around with fishermen and, and workers and, and, and you know, slaves and folks like that. But God put them into a situation where they had to rely on God and not themselves. And that's the same thing that happens with our salvation. God wants you to rely on Him and not yourself. Okay? So, when Paul wrote the book of the late... What was happening was Paul was going on and he was turning... The, the church was... What did they say in Acts? Was turning the world what? Upside down. So we've got to do something about these people. If we don't, they're going to turn the world upside down. The preaching of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and salvation through the Messiah was turning the world on its head, and Paul was going out and preaching, and the gospel was uh, the Holy Spirit was honoring that and and the gospel was saving folks, people was getting saved everywhere, and it was miracles going on all over the place, and it was a world of fire, you know. And so Paul was going around to these different churches. When you read about these different uh, Galatia, the church at Galatia, or the church at Corinth, right? All of these are letters to those churches. It was letters that he wrote to them to give them advice about how how to live and things like this. And so what happened at the church of Galatia, or actually in all of the churches, you'll find that Paul had a group of people following him around. Does anybody know the name of the group of people that's following Peter? Paul around and trying to make him trip up? Does anybody know that group? Pharisees? Uh, they, they are, A lot of them were the Pharisees, but they were known as Judaizers. Have you ever heard that word oh, before? Yeah. G- Judaizers. Now, what a Judaizer would do was they would come into the church. After Paul went in, they had a big revival and a lot of people got saved in the church and then Paul would pack up and leave to go to, to the, his next appointed place to preach. And these guys would come in behind Paul and And they would come in and they would say, Oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and give all the new saved people a big hug and say, Man, that's awesome. I'm so glad that God saved you. But if you really want to be saved, you're going to have to be circumcised and observe the law of Moses. Oh You see? So what they were saying was, Well, you're saved, but you're not really saved until you become a Jew. Until you become Jewish. You've got to be circumcised and walk according to the law of Moses. Now God, I want to tell you up front before we get any further, the law of Moses is the will of God. And if you are a child of God, if He has regenerated you, if He's given you a new heart and a new mind, well what He has done is He has written that law on your heart. Alright? So, when it comes to the Sabbath day, and remember the Sabbath day and keeping it holy, all right, well we honor the Lord's day, right? But if you truly are a child of God, there's going to be a desire within you to be with your eternal family worshiping your eternal Father. There's just going to be a desire in you to do that. Why? Because God has literally put that law in your heart and now it's a part of who you are. You see? Your desire is going to be to obey your parents and people in authority over you. Your desire is going to be to worship God and and shun idols. Right? You, You see? Because God has written that law upon your heart. And so, these guys were coming in and saying, oh, it's great, you've been saved, but to really be saved, to truly be saved, you're going to have to get circumcised now. And so, Paul wrote the letter to the church at Galatia to warn them about the heresies of the Judaizers. Alright, so what we'll do is, let's turn over to that Galatians, and, and so I'm going to read an allegory to you, and this is a really deep allegory, I'm praying that we'll be able to get through it tonight and understand what it's saying to us. Um, it's one of my favorites now, when I first read it, the first uh, few times I read it, and the first few times I studied it, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I had to wrestle with it for a long time to get a grasp on what Paul was trying to teach us. But once I grabbed it, once I saw what Paul was doing with that allegory, it's one of the most amazing teachings in all of the Bible. So let me me get there with you all, guys. So in the book of Galatians, and we're going to go, let's see, we're going to go to uh, Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 21 through 31, okay? Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. So, this is Paul, and he's talking to the church at Galatia. He wrote this letter to the church at Galatia. The church at Galatia is now confused because some people have come in and told them, well, you're saved, but now you've got to get circumcised in order to stay saved and be saved. Right. Now we can draw some same parallels to in the days where we live in. Did you know there are actually people that teach you that if you don't get baptized in water, you will go to hell? Even if you, even if you were, even if you trusted Christ and became a child of God, if you don't get dunked under that water, you're going to hell, right? I've never been baptized. Right. Well, well you need to get baptized. It's a command from Jesus. He said, "Believe and repent and be baptized, right, for the remission of sin." Yes. Now, what about a baptism? Yeah, um, there's a lot of people that believe in, in that, that, that that's okay. Um, as as a, I'm a, what's known as a credo Baptist, which means that I believe, credo means creed. Y'all heard the word creed before? Right. Creed means I believe. That's what the word creed, credo in Latin means, I believe. All right, so if you if somebody gives you their creed, they're telling you what they believe. So a credo Baptist is someone who says that you are baptized once you are a believer. Alright? So, the let me see if I can explain this delicately and not offend anybody. I probably will anyhow. but The paedo-baptist, paedo-pediatrician, paedo-child, right? Pedo, the paedo-baptist believes that you baptize your kids and so if the mom or the dad, one of the two of them is a believer... And you baptize the child, then the child is now kind of encompassed in the promise that the mother or the father, the believer, the believing parent has. Now, most pedo, most baptists, unless you're if you're Roman Catholic, you you would actually believe that 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 washes you your sins away. But most people would say that once you get baptized as a child, there has to come a day later on when you make a public confession of your own, like at an age of accountability, whatever that is. You stand up in front of people and say, "I believe this on my own, not because my parents baptized me, but because I believe on my own." And then they say, "The Pado Baptists say that your baptism as a kid works retroactive, so you, so it counts as being baptized." The 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 Baptists, which means the believing Baptists, believe you get baptized once you make a profession of faith, and um, and so. Um, we I really don't I, I could spend the whole night talking about the, the details behind that. Um, but the truth of the matter is whether you were baptized as a baby or baptized as a believer it does not have any bearing on your eternal destiny. What has a bearing on your eternal destiny is a new heart matter of fact um before we go any further keep your mark there in galatians let me show you something really quickly in the book of romans turn over with me to romans really quick and i think it's to i'm i have to get there and look at it with my eyes all right um, Yep, so look in uh, chapter, Romans chapter 2 and um, we'll start in verse 25 just for some context. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2, 25. For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So, if the uncircumcised man... Who would the uncircumcised man be that Paul would be talking about? What would you call an uncircumcised person, a Gentile. That's exactly right. All right. So the circumcised people that Paul's talking about is who, the Jews, and the uncircumcised would be a Gentile. Uh, and so it says, so if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? So what what Paul is saying is, you can get that outward sign, that outward seal. Okay, you can get that outward seal of circumcision that says you're a Jew. But what Paul is trying to teach us here is that it's not an outward sign, but who you are that makes you a Jew. All right, so watch what he says. And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he be he will he not judge you through having the letter of the law and the circumcision or a transgressor of the law. So so the uncircumcised man would actually have a right to judge the circumcised man if the uncircumcised man was living righteously and the uncircumcised and the circumcised man wasn't. And look, and he seals it up with twenty-eight, and twenty-nine. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is what, one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but God. See, if it's about your circumcision, then you can you can boast. Right? Not many people are going to boast about their circumcision unless you were Jewish. But the point being is, oh look, I'm a child of God. Why? Because I am what? Circumcised. See? I'm my flesh has helped me be a better person. Alright? But look what he said again. He is so Now, I don't want to get into like a replacement theology or anything, but watch this. Let's, Let's change that word Jew to Christian and the word circumcision to baptism and see what happens. For he is not a Christian who is one outwardly, nor is his baptism that which was outward in the flesh. But he is a Christian who is one inwardly, and that baptism is that which is of the heart by the Spirit and not by the letter, and his praise is not from him, but from God. You see what Paul's doing there? He's saying all this outward stuff is nothing. It's what's on the inside. Now, Paul is not disparaging the law. Because if you have been saved, if you truly, and Paul says, if you are a Jew inwardly, what does that mean? God has given you a new heart. You're His child and because you're his child his law is going to be written on your heart so it's not going to be like you're going to want oh well now that I'm saved I just want to go out and live however I want no the literal law is who it, it is in you and it's who you are you see how that works okay so now we can go back to the to the allegory there in in the book of galatians um and, and it all actually all ties in so so think about the the Think about what Paul is trying to teach us in the book of Galatians. Paul is saying that you are saved how? Salvation comes by faith, faith by hearing, hearing the Word of God. Now the reality is, the only way that you could hear the Word of God is if the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and your heart and your mind to hear it. Amen. Right? The, and Paul says in, to the church at Ephesus, this is what he said to the church at Ephesus, and you who are dead, were dead in trespass sin, God made alive. You were dead. And if God's Holy Spirit had not come in and opened your heart and opened your mind and opened you up to the truth, you would have never believed it. You, you, you see? And so what does that mean? It means that it was the Spirit that saved you. How did He save you? Through the preaching of the Word. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God that brings life to a dead soul. And so what Paul is saying to the church of Galatia is this. You were saved by the Spirit. How do you think that doing something with your flesh is going to make that salvation any better? What, what you're doing is, if the Judaizers come in and say you got to be circumcised, what they're saying is this, okay, well, God saved you, but in order to really be saved, you've got to be circumcised. What they're doing is they're saying God's salvific work was not enough and you got to add something from man to make it better. Are you with me? Yeah. And we all do that, guys. We, we, we have this tendency to think about salvation like we think about our cell phone battery monitor. So God saves you, He justifies you. What does that mean? It's justified, never done anything wrong. How many of my sins did He pay for on the cross? All of them. them. And not only did He take away all of my sins that I've committed in the past, present, and future. Remember, He died one time on the cross for all of my sins. So not only did He take away all of the condemnation for all of my sins but then He gave me His righteousness. He imputed His righteousness to me. All of it. Right, all of it. That's exactly right. So who's the only person that has ever lived a life good enough to go to heaven? Jesus. Jesus. He's the only person that has ever fulfilled the law. Did everything that the law required. Alright. And so what happens is when He gives you His righteousness, now you're righteous enough to go to heaven. And it's not based on what you do, it's based on what Christ has done and what He's doing for you because He's interceding for you as your high priest in heaven. Are you with me? And so it's all His work. And so for me to come along and think that something I do is going to improve what Jesus has done, is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is really what it is. It's called works-based salvation. Okay, God saved me and it was it was faith that saved me and it was God that saved me, but now i got to do this, this, and this in order to stay saved. You see? You're adding to what He has done. And that's what the Jews were trying to do. Okay, you're saved, but now you've got to be circumcised to really be saved. Okay? Alright, so now let's go to this allegory. Um, I will tell you that Paul... Um, all of his writings are are drenched in Old Testament theology and Old Testament history and the redemptive narrative story of the Old Testament. So yeah. one of the reasons that we have a hard time understanding Paul is because we don't understand the Old Testament. <clears throat> Matter of fact, uh, one of the reasons why people have such a hard time with the book of Revelation is is because the Book of Revelation quotes and alludes to the Old Testament more than any book in the Bible. Isaiah uh, all, all, all over the place. Yeah. You see, and so if you don't have a good grasp of the Old Testament, it's like it's like jump, it's like cheating and jumping to the end of a book and reading the last two pages and thinking you know the whole story, you know, and, and you miss out on all the all the beautiful details, all all the the pageantry and the glory of. The, the writer and what he's presented to you. So, but let's look at this together. So, um, verse 21 of Galatians chapter 4. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondswoman and one by the free room woman. But the son by the bondswoman was born, I want you to, if you put a dot by that in your Bible, according to the flesh. One of the sons of the, bonds, of the bondswoman was born according to the flesh. But the son by the free woman through, through the promise. This is allegorically speaking for these women are two covenants. One proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are slaves. She is Hagar. Now, this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present day Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, You who are not in labor, for more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, and so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondswoman and her son, for the son of the bondswoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondswoman, but of the free woman. Alright. Man, that could be confusing, couldn't it? Does anybody got a grasp on what he's talking about yet? You do? You got a grasp of it. Good. Alright, so I'm hoping that as we we're going to go back through it verse by verse now, and I'm hoping that everybody will get a grasp. Alright, so what is Paul doing? Paul is saying that you are not saved by works, but by faith. Paul is saying that your salvation is a gift from the Spirit of God. Your salvation is a promise from God. The reason that you are saved is because God promised to save you. And he sealed that promise in his son's blood. Right? And if you can do something to make that salvation better, you're improving on what Jesus did on the cross. And if you can do something to lose that promise, then his promise wasn't good enough. You see? So who are we dependent on for our salvation? Jesus. That's it. Not me, not you, not the preacher. And and so going back to the what I was telling you about the cell phone battery. So I get saved, I get justified. God has given me His righteousness, and now my my, my cell phone, my my what can we call it? My uh, holy meter, right? My holy meter is at one hundred percent. So I go to church this afternoon, or last night. I go to church, and man, we really get our praise on, right? we had a good church service. Preacher preached fire. I come out of there just dancing and singing and praising the Lord. Man, my holy meter was like 100%, all green. But then I got cut off at the red light on the way home, and I cursed the dude out, and my meter went down 10%. And then I got home, and I got on my computer, and I started looking at some things I should not have been looking at, so now my meter went down another 6%. So now I'm at about 84%. Right. But at night when I go to bed and I bow my knees down and I pray, right? and I jack it back up to about 92% with my prayers. And then I get up the next morning and I read my Bible. Right. Well, before I got up, though, I had a really, really bad dream, a graphic dream that night. And so I woke up and my meter was at like 64% but I got up and got my Bible and opened it up and read it and I read for an hour before I went to work and now I'm back up at like 89% you see and I get in my car to go to work and I put on my favorite gospel album and I get my praise on on the way to work now I'm at like 92 you see but then I get to work and two of my employees call in sick and I lose my temper because now I got to do all their work now I'm back down to 70 Are you, you see what's happening there My righteousness is now based on what? Me. What I'm doing. And if I do bad, I lose it. And if I do good, I gain it. And we all get caught on that treadmill, guys. As Christians, we all get caught on that treadmill. Because deep down in our fallen nature, we want to have something to do with it. Because it's about me, not him. You see? And so these guys were coming in and telling Paul, okay, it's fine. That y'all were saved by the Spirit, but if you want to stay saved, you've got to do a work of the flesh. Or actually, you've got to cut off some flesh in order to be saved. And so, what Paul does is he's talking to a bunch of Judaizers. So, what's he going to do? He's going to go back to their father. Who was their father? Abraham. All right. Now, what he says is this. Look at verse 1. You want to be under the law. Uh, It is written that Abraham had two sons. One by the bondswoman and one by the free woman. All right. so who are Abraham's two sons that he's talking about? Isaac and Ishmael. Now remember, Abraham was old, couldn't have babies. God told him that through his seed the whole world was going to be blessed. and God wasn't coming through with a baby. And so uh, Sarah couldn't have kids. And and Abraham was getting impatient. And so what did Sarah say? Hey, I want you to go into my handmaid, Hagar... And have a baby with her. And when it comes out, I'll catch it and it'll be mine. They, they had rules back then like that. She's like 86 or something. Right, yeah. And so, what is Abraham's like, okay. And so he has a baby with Hagar, right? Has a baby with Hagar. And he actually loves Ishmael a lot. I mean, he really does love Ishmael. Ishmael's this boy. But uh, but what happens is that's not the child of promise. Now Watch. What Paul is trying to show us here is that Abraham and Sarah and Hagar produced a baby by the works of the flesh. Are you with me? It was on their efforts. Most men can make a baby and most women can have a baby. Most, right? Except Sarah couldn't. So they took it upon themselves to do it their way instead of God's way. And so Ishmael represents the law. Ishmael represents the works-based righteousness. What we do. You see? And he says she had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. So who was the one by the free woman? Isaac. Isaac. Now what was different about Isaac's birth and Ishmael's birth? As birth was a miracle. It was a miracle. That's exactly right. Sarah was ninety year uh, like eighty nine years old. It said that the custom of women was beyond her. What did that mean? Her, her body had dried up. Yeah. Right? She couldn't have a baby. And Abraham, well, we're gonna find out Abraham actually had some more kids after I think like when Abraham was almost hundred, he's still throwing out. He's still a seeded kid. Yeah. You know? like, so he's prolific. But uh, Sarah couldn't have kids. She was beyond the time of having babies. And that was a part of the reason why she tried to do it on her own. She wanted to have a baby, but she couldn't have one, so they did what they could do. They joked and job, They shaked and they connived. They did, what they, they, they did their thing. <laughs> right? What do we do? When we wait on God to answer our prayers and He ain't answering, what do we do? We help Him. We, we hurry Him along, right? Amen. Right? Amen. Oh, God, I want You to bring me the girl that's going to you know, glorify You and help me in my ministry and all this. And then everyone that walks by, I'm like, ooh, maybe she's the one. You see? Oh, maybe that's the one. What am I doing? I'm, I'm going to help God out. Oh, God, I think that might be the one right there. You see? And so what we understand is Paul is comparing Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael is the works of the flesh or the works of of human endeavor. But Isaac is the child of promise. Whose promise? God's promise. And physically, Abraham nor Sarah should have been able to have a baby. And yet they did. Why? Why? Because God was in that work. All right? Now, verse 22, verse 23. But the son of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. I told you, you put a dot by it. What does it mean to say according to the flesh? Sinful desires. Well, not, not necessarily just sinful, but it, it was sinful because they went against God. And, and According to the flesh. Uh, Self will. Yeah, it's it's a work of a, a will work. It's something that you will, and something you desire, and something you put forth the efforts to do. So according to the flesh, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Your salvation was it flesh or spirit? Spirit. Who spirit? spirit. spirit. Who's spirit? The Holy Spirit. God. You see, it wasn't your spirit. You were running away from God, and He hunted you down. And drug you into the boat. You see? Right? So, he says, this, I, I said you, we, we call this lesson in, uh, allegorically speaking. So, look at verse 24. This is allegorically speaking for these women are two covenants. Alright, what is a covenant? A, a contract, a promise, alright? Um, the uh, well, not to impress you or anything. And Hebrew is bereth and 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 uh, Greek is Diathiki. All right. Let me make it a lot easier for you to remember. It's called a Testament. So, how are our Bible divided? In the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's two covenants. The old covenant, the new covenant. Now there are a lot of little covenants inside of the covenants, right? The Abrahamic covenant, the Mo, Mosaic, uh, the Noatic covenant, the Levitical covenant, the Davidic covenant. I will always have a king on my throne. There's a lot of covenants in the Bible, but the two main covenants are the Old Testament and the New Testament. Those are two different covenants. What okay. okay. Greek Yeah. So it's uh, so he says. This is allegory speaking. The women are two covenants. So what covenant would Ishmael represent? The the Old Covenant. What what would uh, Isaac represent? The New Covenant. The New Testament. Okay? And so, what was wrong with the Old Testament? Okay, so, so what was wrong with the sacrificial system, the temple system, the cultic laws, the the civil laws, the Ten Commandments, the worship, all of those things? What was wrong with those things? It wasn't enough. Um, works. Too too much. Much. It was too It was That's true. All of what y'all were saying is true, but here's the, what the problem was: the problem was the people's inability to keep their end of the contract. Mm-hmm. it's too much. The Ten Commandments are the perfect will of God. The problem is not with the commandment. The commandments are holy. The problem is we can't keep them. You see? So the problem with the whole old covenant was we weren't good enough. And God put that contract down, the 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 covenant at Sinai. What do I mean by that? What is the Sinaitic covenant? What do I mean by God put that what Mount what? What happened at Mount Sinai? Moses was given the law. Not only was he given the law, he was given the Levitical worship system and the tabernacle and all their whole worship system. He was given their cultic laws. Or cultic means cultic. Cult means worship, right? All their laws on how they were to worship. He gave them their civil laws, like uh, don't sleep with your cousin and don't sleep with animals and right don't uh, mix a, a child, uh, a mother. Goat with her milk or her baby or whatever, like you know, they, they had all kind of rules that they had to follow. A circumcision was a part of the uh, Noatic Covenant. Now it was circumcision was also a part of the Abrahamic Covenant too, right? Ishmael was circumcised, wasn't he? Right? Yeah, he certainly was. And so was Isaac. And so was Abraham. But the difference is, is that with Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him for righteousness. Mm -hmm. Right? What does that mean? Well, if you go back, you'll have to go back and read this on your own. You'll have to take my word for it and go back and read it on your own. Abraham was given the righteousness of God. Abraham believed. What does that mean? He had what? Faith. Faith. And God accounted credited that to him for righteousness. What that means is Abraham believed in the coming one and 2,400 years later, whatever, Jesus died on the cross and retro paid for all that he had already believed in. Okay? So, what that means is, is that Abraham was saved by faith, and Abraham did not get circumcised until after he believed. He was a credo circumcisionist, right? It was after belief. Isaac and Ishmael were pedo circumcised. They were circum- well actually Ishmael was already 13 so he kind of knew what was up in the world when he got circumcised but his brother I, uh, Isaac was what 8 days old yeah. right? well I don't think the 8 day thing was in place until the Sinai had come but he was a baby but the difference was is that Abraham was circumcised too wasn't he mm-hmm. alright now watch Abraham Isaac Ishmael two of those were children of the promise weren't they but one of them wasn't. Ishmael didn't get the promise. He was circumcised. On the outside, he looked just like his daddy and his brother. But on the inside, he was not regenerated. He was not saved. He was not a child of God. He was not a child of the promise. Isaac was. Alright? Now, so he says, look, this allegory speaking, two covenants, one from Mount Sinai, and all of her children are slaves. She is Hagar. Now, I, you have got to understand that Paul is literally smacking the Jews in the mouth with this. What he's saying is that Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and the whole uh, and all of Judaism is Hagar, the mother of Ishmael. You, you understand what he's saying? I mean, that's a smack right in the mouth. And what he's saying is what, what he's going to say here. Look, he says, "Now this is Hagar, Mount Sinai, in Arabia." and she corresponds to present-day Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Remember, Hagar was a slave. Ishmael was a slave. Isaac was a son. So who is he compared to? He's compared to the spirit-regenerated, born-again believers are the free ones, and the ones that are saying you have to be circumcised and are dependent on works of the flesh are the ones that are under the law, and they're slaves. Why are they slaves? Well, keep that mark there and let's quickly turn back to Romans again and let me show you something else. I hope I can find it. I, I forgot to look it up before I got here today. Um Let's see. I'm not gonna be I bet I'm not gonna be able to find it. Let me see. Okay, I'm not going to be able to find it. Paul, What Paul tells him in the book of Romans is this, that the Jews are going about seeking to be justified by the law. Right? Now, what's the problem with being justified by the law? If you could, was Jesus justified by the law? No. Jesus was because he, he did he every did everything it required. He did on the Sabbath. Right? Huh? He healed on the Sabbath. That was law, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 but but wait a minute now. If you're saying that Jesus broke the Sabbath, he sinned. I'm not saying he's. I'm just saying. You, you with me? Yeah. What Jesus did was he walked exactly how Moses told you you had to walk, yeah. and he never fell. He never disobeyed the law. So, Jesus could be justified by the law. Why? Because He'd fulfilled it. He'd done everything it required. The problem with the law is not that the law is, the law is good. The problem is we're not. And so if I seek to be justified by the law, I'm always going to be a slave. Why? Because I'm never going to be good enough. If I'm looking for the law to be my justification, I'm never going to be good enough and I'm going to be a slave to my own works. You see how that works? And he said, all right. so back at at the Galatians passage there, he says, now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she's in slavery, but the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. Alright, what is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the city of the people of God, right? What he's saying is there's a heavenly Jerusalem. A new Jerusalem. And the people in the heavenly new Jerusalem are free. But he says, um, and you brethren, are, like Isaac, are children of the promise. Now, what is he saying? Look at that again in verse 28. You brethren. Why is he calling them brethren? No. Nope. It's the, actually the exact opposite. This is the church of Galatia, so there's Gentiles in this church. Remember, they're trying to get them to circumcise themselves and be Jews is what the Judaizers are trying to get them to do but Paul's calling them brethren. They're Gentiles, but he's calling them brethren. Why are they brethren? Because they got the same father, who is their father, not Abraham, but God. You see the difference? He says, "You brethren are children of the promise." What promise? The new covenant. The promise of salvation, the promise of of that the woman's seed would crush the serpent's head. The promise that in you, Abraham, uh, through your seed, your one seed, all of the world is going to be blessed through that promise. You see, and so they're saved by that promise. But look what he says, verse twenty-nine. Do y'all remember the story of um, when Isaac and uh, Ishmael were? Isaac, Ishmael was thirteen, and Isaac was. Uh, they had a party for for Isaac. What did Ishmael do to his brother? anybody remember? He harassed him and picked on him and made fun of him. And then Sarah was like, they got to go. I'm not going to have him, right? All right, good. So watch. What Paul's doing here, look what he says. But at that time, verse 29, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So it is now also. What is he saying? Those Judaizers were not born of the spirit they were trying to be justified according to the flesh and what were they doing? They were coming in and persecuting the people who were of the Spirit by telling them they weren't good enough yet until they got their circumcised. Yes. They were persecuting them. right? Well, what did the natural Jews do to Jesus and the spiritual Jews? Persecute them. Right? So the children of promise are always going to be persecuted by the world. That's just the way it always plays out. Mm. Why? Because if you're not playing by the world's rules, if you're following Christ, and if the Spirit's within you, then then you're above. You're above. You're free. You're not living in condemnation to that law anymore. And yet they are. Mm. And so, <clears throat> it's kind of like when you was a kid, when you was in the lunchroom and you ate something that tasted really nasty or your milk was sour, you'd always stick it in your buddy's nose and say what? Smell this. You know, if you get a bad thing, you're like, oh, taste this. Right? Well, they were in bondage to what? To self righteousness. They were trying to be justified by their own labors, by their own doings. And they were angry at the people who said, I'm justified in what Christ has done. They were resting and free in Christ, and they were no longer under the yoke of the law. Now, again, is there anything wrong with the law? No. The law is perfect. It's the will of God. The problem with the law is we're not good enough to, to fulfill it. And all the law can do is tell you you're bad. The law never tells you you're good. The policeman never pulls you over and says, Hey, I saw you cone a complete stop at that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that. You're good with that. Right? The law never tells you you're good. And that's what's frustrating about trying to live according trying to have your righteousness done by something you're doing. It's never going to be enough. So we're resting in Christ. We're resting in His promise. So what does he say? He says, but what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondswoman and her son, for the son of the bondswoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondswoman, but of the free. You see? We're children of the promise. And there's nothing that I can do in my flesh that's going to improve on what Christ did on the cross for me. Nothing. Now, what was happening was they were persecuting Paul and what was one of the main claims they were claiming against Paul? He's preaching against the what? Law of Moses. He brought Gentiles into the temple. How dare he? What they didn't understand is the Gentile was a temple unto themselves. Our body is the temple of the Lord, right? So we are living. We supersede all of the physical structures. We supersede all of the the, the stone, the, the laws written in stone. Why? Because the laws have been written on the flesh in our hearts. And if I truly a child of the promise, then I'm going to walk according to that promise. And a part of that promise is what trust and obey. If you love me, what? <clears throat> Obey my commandments. The difference in the child of God and the child of the world is God says if you love me, obey my commandments. The child of the world will sometimes obey the commandments not because they love God, but because they love themselves. Because they're trying to earn God's respect. They're trying to earn their status in society. It's about me. They're doing it because they have to. The child of God follows the law because they want to. So remember, and we'll we'll wrap up with that, guys. Because I know y'all got donuts in there waiting. But remember it. Remember The at uh, the beginning of the class. Remember when I told you, if you have to add anything to what Jesus has done on the cross, what you're saying is that His work on the cross was not good enough for you. It should. It should smack us all in the mouth. Because every one of us in here are sons of Adam and we're all prone to doing it our way. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit and through regeneration that I'm able to walk free in Christ. And so the truth of the matter is even even something as simple as your sobriety. If you get back out of here and go get into one of them AA programs and start trying to do them steps, I'm not knocking the I, I not don't, I don't really care for it, but if you go in and you're doing one of those 12-step programs... It's, you're saying these are the steps that I take to be sober. Right? The child of God with a regenerative heart says, I'm going to walk in the new freedom that I have in Christ. And I'm no longer an addict. And I'm a child of God. That's what frustrates me with them AA meetings. You go in there, what's the first thing you have to say? Hey, I'm Ronnie. I'm an addict. No, I'm not. No, I'm this is what Paul said. Paul said that drunkards and prostitutes And homosexuals and thieves and liars and murderers will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And you know what he said right after that? And were some of you? Were. Were. Past tense. tense. Y'all used to sing a song here. I don't know if y'all still singing or not. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man, born of the Spirit. Right? I used to love that song. When y'all, when I used to first come here, I used to come and sit and listen to y'all's praise instead of me. Do it. And uh, I'd go home that night, and that song would be rattling around in my head. I, I'm a new creation. And the reason that I walk sober is because I'm a child of God, and I don't want to walk according to the world anymore. Yes. Right? And He set me free to do it. Right? What MLK okay Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. I'm free. I don't have to live according to this world anymore, and I don't have to live in my power but in Christ who lives in me. You see? And so, to sum it all up, remember at the beginning what we said was this. The one thing that separates the child of God and the true Christian faith with every other religion and every other system out there in the world is that all of those systems are saying this is what you do to become God, this is what you do to find God, this is what you do to get to God. The Christian faith says there is nothing you can do to get to Him, but He loved you enough to get to you. See? And your life needs to reflect that. You need to be walking in His power and in His Spirit. And if you're walking in His power and in His Spirit, you will desire and walk according to His will, which is the law. Because it's written on your heart. It's going to be a part of who you are. You're a New Testament, right? You're a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new person. And if you're in this room tonight, guys, and you're still struggling and you don't know if you know Him or not, if you're struggling, that's a good thing. That shows you that He's at work in your life. Amen. And all you have to do is repent and believe the Gospel. What does that mean? Stop trusting in what you have done, what you are doing, or what you will do, and turn to what His Son Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. It's that simple. Let go of you and turn to Him. Repent and believe the Gospel, right? So I hope you all had a good time tonight. Let's close with a quick prayer. Father, thank You for this time. We've certainly rambled a little bit, but I know that Your Word never comes back void. And my prayer is that this will give us all something to think about. Help us. Please help us to recognize what a precious gift You have given us. What a wonderful thing it is to be a child of the promise, of Your promise, and what it means to have the promise of Your Son and the work that He did on that cross, covering our thoughts, words, and actions. Help us, Lord, to walk free in Christ. Help us to stop trying to do things in our own power, but to trust You with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Help us to acknowledge You in all of our ways, and we'll look for You to direct our path. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.